So a man walks into a bar and he says to the bartender, hey, do you know where the glass pants store is? Welcome to We Can't Print This, a podcast telling the story you don't know behind the story you do. My name is Fiona McCann. And my name is Eden Dunn. And every week we interview a writer of some kind about the stories behind their stories. And if you like our podcast, would you do us a favor and send it to a friend who you think might like it? Or you can also support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash we can print this. This week, our guest is Katie Wynn. Katie is a comedian who has opened for Maria Bamford, Todd Berry, Ron Funches, and performed at festivals including Limestone, SF Sketchfest, and Bridgetown. Katie has been named one of the Portland Mercury's geniuses of comedy three times and was named the winner of Willamette Week's Funniest Five. On top of all of that, she is a teacher, both of stand-up comedy at Helium Comedy Club, so you can learn from her yourself, and of language arts for high school students. Isn't, aren't those students so lucky? Imagine having a comic as a teacher. That's it's amazing. ridiculous. And I love Katie. She's so great. And I felt like we learned some stuff about writing funny things in this episode because it's hard to sit down and write something funny. Even if you're a funny person, that's very different than sitting down and writing something funny. I know. And sometimes you can strive too hard on the page and it doesn't work at all or because you can, you can use so many different things in person. And I feel like it's such a separate skill. Yes. But you promised me that you were going to tell me a piece of writing that made you laugh very hard. And I'm eager to hear about it. This is a treat because okay. I can't believe there's a person in the world who hasn't read this yet. Some of the most funniest writing, the most funniest, and that's a real way to say that, mm-hmm. writing that I have seen in the last bajillion years was on a tweet thread. Okay. Back in the day when it was Twitter, there is a writer called Seamus O'Reilly. His handle is at Shockproof Beats, if you want to go and verify this situation. He was responding. Somebody had thrown out a general treat saying, we want to hear about your work-related fuck-ups. And Seamus responded. And the first tweet, which encompasses the whole story, you almost think like, do I even need more? But you do. <laughs> okay. And on he goes. But the, okay. his response immediately was, got my days wrong and ended up alone in a room with my boss and the president of Ireland. While I was on ketamine. (laughs) And look, here's the thing. (laughs) People's stories about while they're on drugs, not that funny often. The got my days wrong part of it is the very, that's the funniest bit. That's the the opening line. Because of course, I'm like, what do you mean you got your days wrong? Also, how are you accidentally in a room with the president? And it's so classic because I usually am like, I don't want to hear your drug stories. They were funny at the time. You had to be there or you had to be high. But this is one. And I honestly think from here on in, people will never be able to tell these stories again because he nails so hard the experience in the funniest way possible that I have, every time I read it, I snot laugh at it. I think it's the funniest thing ever. He goes through the whole, like, he got his days wrong and his boss is calling him right after he has taken some ketamine. (laughs) Made by his flatmate, I think. Very confusing. I don't think you're supposed to make ketamine, are or you? He said it was brood. I don't. I don't understand brood. fully the point. And it was green in color. There's a lot of very strange details in here. Okay. And and he's suddenly like, oh, I have to go to work. I didn't realize I had to go to work, but I can pull it together. And he's really trying that thing where you're like, if I just pull it together, it'll be fine, and I'll run on adrenaline. But then when he gets to work, he discovers that his main job is to stand in a room at first alone. <laughs> 
for a long time. You should never be alone while very high. <laughs> and holding a tray of drinks and wait for the president of Ireland to arrive, who at the time was Mary McAleese, a few presidents ago. Lovely woman. Anyway, he arrives at work. He gets all ready. He's really struggling. And then he's put in this room on his own. And he has this <laughs> description of... That like now he has to stay silent and motionless in this room waiting. And his tweet is like, time passes on my own. Empires crumble and glaciers dissolve. Stars die and oceans melt. <laughs> Out on the dusty plains of Mother Earth, hot bursts of young love gift the miracle of life. Children are born, raised, stricken and firm and die of old age. And then Mary McAleese walks in. Oh my God. I mean... And it's he, so beautiful. It's wow. so beautiful. And also such a description of how warped time gets. Yes. He has all of these strange details. Like at one stage, he's like, I'm pretty sure my fingers owe me money. And another stage, he <laughs> describes like like the how he can't talk because he's obviously got a goalkeeper's glove in his mouth. And like just so many. It's so, oh, so good. brilliantly written. And also so, so funny. He has long tweets, short. It's like so brilliantly crafted. I snot laugh at it every time. I think you should read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I, it's so hard to make things funny on the page. When I think about some of the things that unexpectedly make me laugh, the other day I was thinking about, because it's pumpkin time again, that one of the times in my life that I laughed so hard that I wished I could bottle that moment. It's such a stupid thing. But like we had a bunch of friends over for a pumpkin carving party and we had gone and bought all these beautiful pumpkins at the farm. And I picked this one that was a, you know, a regular pumpkin, but it had all these beautiful green veins running through it. It was really gorgeous. And only you could pick a glamour pumpkin. It was a glamorous (laughs) pumpkin. Very good. Pop of color, you know. Uh, and I was like, it has all this green in it. I'm going to do a crocodile. Like I like the, I like the, the piece of art to speak to me, you know? So I did this ridiculous, goofy crocodile. This is astounding to me, by the way, coming from the people who started this whole carving thing, you're just supposed to put some triangles in it and call it good. No, never. And because I wanted the veins to show, I was like, not just cutting through the pumpkin, I was carving it away of it and leaving some chunks of it so that you could see the skin of the crocodile and it would shine through. Anyway, I was very proud of it. It got done. I mean, it also was like a ridiculous cartoon. And so I stand up at the end of the table and without thinking at all, purely innocent, I yell to the room, everyone look at my veiny croc. I was so proud. Look at my veiny crock and all the eyes turn to me with this expression (laughs) and I realize what they've heard in their mind because I have dirty friends and I dropped to the ground laughing like I lost full bodily control and was on (laughs) the ground rolling around laughing literally thought I might die like I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe I'm crying and just like (gasps) like (gasps) like just so losing everything (laughs) just rolling around saying look at my veiny croc and I wished I was like this is the funniest thing that's ever happened because it was such just a miscommunication and I was like how would you ever bottle this moment how could you how could you ever how could I make myself laugh this hard ever again? I wouldn't know how to put that lightning in a bottle. Yeah, or put it on a page. Like, or how would you write a page? And so when people can make people laugh for a living, I'm just so awed by it. And that's why I was really excited to have Katie here. Well, with that, we should probably hear from her. How do you write a joke? Uh, just a small question. Just a small question. Because I've thought about that a long time. Like, how do you write a joke? 
It, it's very different for different people. Some people are very formulaic about it. They're thinking about like set up punchlines. Some people, a lot of their materials generated when they come up with a basic premise, like on the way to work, like a couple words, and then they go to an open mic and they just like riff and then it kind of comes out of there. Some people will do like a stream of consciousness, kind of write on it and then kind of pick that apart and see like, well, this tangent is kind of actually pretty interesting. I could like go in that direction or like, this is pretty interesting. Um, it's, it's really different for a lot of people. I, I teach stand-up at Helium Comedy Club. Um, and kind of my philosophy as a standard teacher is a lot of people say things like you can't teach people how to be funny. And that's not really what I'm doing. That's not really what I think a decent standup teacher should do. I think I really think my job, and this probably is influenced by the fact that I'm a, a high school Spanish language arts teacher as well. My job is everybody has a sense of humor, right? Everybody finds something funny. Everybody can come up with things in their head that they find funny that they'll chuckle at these are the people getting ideas for bits right whether it's making fun of like a commercial on tv or it's sharing a story of an interaction with a neighbor or it's you know analyzing a new social norm or something like that or and it's fart jokes if you're a 10 year old yeah son it, it can be mine yeah it could be some cormix really into the fart jokes these days Ooh, yeah it's, a, it's an ever evergreen topic <laughs> and it's universal as well is it not um that's why we like it it's genderless as well farting Thank you for just your hot quote there. <laughs> That's the sad light. We did it. There you go. We Wrap got it. it. Um, my job is to help you communicate whatever you think is funny in a way that makes makes it accessible to other people. So right. So sometimes it's something like you need to front load some contextual information so that they understand that this was unexpected or like out of the norm or like really like comical. Or you need to, um, like, if it's something that sounds funny, like a fart joke, you need to make the sound. Or if it's something like um, words that sound funny. So, like, oh, my neighbor has, like, the craziest conspiracy theories. Like, tell us what they are. Like, you mm-hmm. can't just say that. So a lot of times, or most of the time, my job is just to help people communicate, whether it be through act-outs and using their face and their body or in, like, the angle of approach to a certain topic, right? Because, like, I don't think any topic is played out in comedy, but, for, like, certain angles of approach are. And my job is to really just help folks like, you know, kind of translate what's in their head. What is it? What it is, is making them laugh in their head and try to present it in a way. And they might need to like give a lot of background information. They might need to act something out. Um, They might need to give it a lot of examples. But I'm there to help people generate those examples and figure out those act outs and just like hone in a premise and things like that. I love I it's a thing I've pushed for us to have comedians on here. But in general, talk about comedy writing as something I admire so much because Give me an example of something else that you have to be that tight of a writer. To really, like, good comedy requires not only all of those things. It has to have the the premise, the setup, the joke. You know, we have the punchline. And you have to do it all in as few as words as possible because nobody's going to sit around for 90 minutes for you to hit one punchline. So it's about an economy of words, but then also building an entire thought. And for me... I just am like, that's so impressive. In a whole novel, I definitely can get around to telling you the point, but doing it in 12 seconds. Also, I I learned a good new joke today. Can I tell you it? Yes, please. Here we By go. good new I joke, can, it's I so can stupid. Press the laugh button if it doesn't Oh, good. Work we, have a, we have a laugh button. We have a laugh button. We've never used I can't it before. Which one it is? Okay, just, just take a just, just take a thing. Take a random guess. You probably oh, know Lord. it, but pretend you don't. Um, why can a nose not be 12 inches long? <laughs> You already told me this one. Why not? Because then it would be a foot. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> uh, listeners, you can't see Katie's expression, but... Um, it was a grimace. It took me a moment, actually. I was like, it would be a foot. And I immediately pictured a foot on someone's face, and I was like, that can't possibly be what the joke 
It's not, that's not it. It feels like it's going to be penis related, but it's not. That's yeah. what I, that's where I yeah, went. It feels it. Anyways, bad. I forgot to put the laugh in. Hold on. Oh, oh, oh we got a rim shot. <laughs> but that worked. Sure. Well, 10 miles after your punchline. Yeah, that's also comedy is about timing. Um, anyways, that's a bad example of it. But I think the economy of words that happens in comedy is something I'm always really amazed from, from the writing perspective. Because it's like you said, you're like, sometimes you have to have a lot of backstory. Sometimes you have to do this. Or you're like, oh, everybody tells the joke this way. So we have to do it another way. And figuring all of that out and then doing it as quickly as possible because people have the attention span of a goldfish. Yeah, and it's interesting too because comics... They start out. They start out with the least amount of time possible. They get three minute sets, which like is like what? nothing. Yeah, right. This isn't something like you like. Oh, you practice at home. Like if you want to start comedy at all, you need to like already trim something down or like generate something. Some people don't have three minutes off the top, um, which is like fine. Some people write like a minute bit, you know, or like a couple, a bunch like one liners. Really doesn't take that long, but uh, you you start with three and then you get then you get to build up to more and more and more. So it's kind of interesting how like. For you, the challenge there is economy of words, right? And like expressing the most in the most effective way in as little time or words as possible. We didn't tend to think about it in terms of time. But it's, it's the, for comics, like the challenges are coming up with like a half hour or 40 minutes, you know, like comics, like so often, like before they have enough material, they're like, oh, I got a half hour. You're like, oh no, you got like 50 minutes, like really good, solid material. But like you are workshopping the rest of that, man. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that like people are like really striving to fill more time and to generate the material. And like, they really hate like a three minute set. I don't mm. think, I don't think Irish comedians, I might be wrong, but I can't imagine anyone in Ireland doing a three minute set. I think we have a very long form of comedy. Is that possible? Are there cultural differences? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, the, the, That's just because nobody in Ireland does anything in three minutes. <laughs> they don't. Except it's for maybe steep a cup of tea we we say we do things in three minutes but our sense of what three minutes is is a very different oh i didn't know non three minute concept (laughs) yeah be like i'll be there in three minutes means i'll see in 20 i know i work with you Mm -hmm. (laughs) hey of irish descent (laughs) (laughs) um do you think that there's anything to the idea because i love it's almost like you're a superhero that you teach high schoolers by day and comedy by night that they're the idea of having to keep the attention of folks who maybe could be a dismissive group and then translating that to comedy i actually feel like i see a lot of crossover there there's a lot of transferable like skills and experiences between like um between teaching and doing comedy it's so funny because comedians just like oh man i have no idea how you teach and like Teachers are like, oh, my God, I have no idea how you do comedy. I would say teaching is a lot more scary for me than comedy. The stakes are a lot higher. If an audience doesn't like me, then it's just like, you know, they're not going to remember me, like, in a year. Yeah. Right? If, like, I'm not effective as a teacher, like, students' education is impacted. <gasps> You're so right. <laughs> Those are the right priorities. But I'm scared in the opposite way. I'd be more scared of doing it. Well, also, like, it's, for, I would say for both, this the type of comedian I am and the type of teacher I am is, like, no pride, no shame. You know, like, I'll make a fool. You know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll clown. I'll be, like, you know, like, it's, I don't. It was so funny when we went online and a lot of, it was so hard to, like, teach online and all the kids had their cameras off and you were just, like, talking and, like, nobody was responding. Um, and then, like, so many teachers, like, oh, man, this is rough. And I'm, like, yeah, it feels like 
bombing an open mic. <laughs> this was very familiar. That's yeah. all right. I'm just going to keep joking. I told so many jokes to like a bunch of little avatars. Um, and sometimes they put LOL in the chat, you know? Um, That's when you know you've won. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, there was, I did some, you know, like, what was it? I remember one day it was, um, it was like fall of 2020, the time that the air quality got insanely yeah, bad. You remember September that? September 2020. I, yeah. I remember it well. Yeah, and I remember like what a great time we were all having back then. What a, what a magical year! What a magical year! Call. God, we should call her. Yeah, what she's up to. Hey, twenty twenty, girl, we miss you. Hey, twenty twenty, twenty twenty. Feel free to ghost me forever. Yeah, yeah. Technically, like classes were able to be canceled. Some of them came to class anyway. It was like did, virtual. You know, they wanted to connect with something. They were at home all day. They'd been at home all day for like six months at that point. Yeah, and I remember like being like, "Hey, let's play a game," you know. And then I remember just like. We were, I was like doing Pictionary, but I, what I would do is I would ask them to make suggestions or like I would come up with something that I knew I couldn't draw very effectively. And then they would like clown on me and, you know, they would just be like, oh, okay, did I picked shin guard. Like that's, you know, I try to pick like mm. difficult things to draw. Okay. Not like elephant or like, you know, like steak or something like that. And they're Wait, like. A shin guard is way easier to draw than an elephant. No. No. An elephant is immediately recognizable. You have to just basically so do the what? trunk and an ear. But a shin guard, I feel like if you started drawing a, a leg and this, I would think you were drawing that guy from Operation. <laughs> mm. Is there I water really on the knee? Oh. <laughs> I, I challenge you all to a game of Pictionary. Um, but yeah, I remember at one point I, I used to have this, like, this isn't gonna make any sense. I used to have this big plastic egg that had, um, cow spots and a little cow face paint on it. I got it from Meyer. Apparently it was like some Easter decoration. I remember like putting that on my head, like a cone head and like just being a real dummy for the kids. And like, we were just like goofing around and like, yeah, like I look like just like a clown. Like, like if you, <laughs> some of them took screenshots. Um, but it's, you know, I guess make people laugh, engage them. That's a, it's a really, it's a way to connect with people. Yeah. It's about connection on a really basic level. I'm sharing a joke, laughing at the same thing, laughing at a fart joke. Like there's people like there's so many people across the globe who like would absolutely hate each other who like will both laugh at the same like stupid fart joke. That's true. Here's a More question. fart jokes to bring the world together. Do Clearly. you ever feel this is, this is a twist, but sometimes I realize, especially when I'm nervous and meeting people, I like to make them laugh. Yes, because it makes people comfortable. But also, there's a little bit of me where I'm like, am I being manipulative? Because when people make you laugh, you're endeared to that person. At least I am. Somebody who always makes me laugh, I'm like, I love that person. Let's always have them around. They make you feel good, and then you want more of them. And so... Maybe manipulative is not the right word because it's an honest thing, but I feel like is it a is it a weird mechanism or some kind of protective thing where I'm like, aha, I made you giggle and now you want me around and I've done my task. I think it's, it's definitely used strategically in a lot of social situation situations. It's very interesting. I um it, most recently in class we like in the first class when I meet folks, I kind of ask them about like how you came to comedy and why you're interested in it. And a number of people talked about like having lived in very like high conflict situations and constantly yep. having to use it to diffuse situations and de-escalate in like high emotion, high tension, like and these are like negative experiences from what I understand from what these people are describing. And like, yeah, it's definitely used to, you know, beyond connect with, right? But also just like I would say disarm people. Disarm, ingratiate sure. yourself with people. It's really nice to be able to crack a joke, to feel comfortable cracking a joke, right? Because everybody cracks jokes in some way or another. But it's really nice to feel comfortable cracking a joke around different audiences, right? Like I, you know, I 
or I'm able to keep my humor entirely like PG. I can I'm able to like make it rated R for people different cultures and things like that. And it's just it's 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 I guess ingratiating yourself with people I feel maybe I guess it could be considered manipulative, but I mean, I it's don't just part mean it's it to charming. be. It's and charm has in its sense some kind of like magical thing, but I think it's a way of charming people. It's a way of charming, but I do think there's a defense mechanism level yeah. to it where because when people make you laugh, you're like, "Look, see, I'm a they're good, not going to leave good. me out of the. They're not going to keep I me out of the cage." It's just an interesting thing because I think I'm the silly one in my family that makes people laugh, and then I'm like, "Ah ha ha." I'm the teacher's pet. Can you be a teacher's pet in your own family? But you know what I mean. Yeah, it's interesting too because I think it, because humor has been like weirdly gendered over the years. Women aren't funny. They don't need to be funny. That stupid Christopher Hitchens, you know, piece about how like evolutionarily we didn't need to develop a sense of humor because we're just, you know, stupid Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, but it's interesting how like if I think a lot of times like, you know, like a woman cracking a joke can be really disarming whereas like some dudes get really weird around each other like oh if he's like cracking joke i saw this one like meme one time that was like shared and it was like it was like your friend when he's just hanging with the dudes and it's like a picture of a guy like being calm and then it's like your friend when your girl's around and this guy like cracking jokes and like acting a clown and everybody's like yeah that's definitely like you know your friend who always all of a sudden he's really funny you know when the girl's around so like for some obviously these are an unhealthy relationships and friendships among these like men right but like i've seen like a thing a, a, an idea that like oh if a guy's acting funny it's because he's like trying to like it's amazing call yeah Whoa. it's totally amazing call yeah. though and i'm not meaning to call her out but it's definitely worked on my sister who has a long history with mm. comedians let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> let's amazing. just leave it there funny men are sexy that's true yeah i love, I love a man who can make me laugh yeah because well, usually, woman, usually it means they don't take themselves too seriously, you know? Like, usually yeah. it means that they have, like, some humility to them, that they can, That's like, true. make fun of themselves or, like, or they know how to uh, lovingly make fun of something that, like, you you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between, like, making fun of something in a way that, like, demeans it and making fun of something yeah, in a way, like... it's not funny. Yeah. It also means they're smart. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, other that. than other than if they're exclusively doing the fart jokes. <laughs> Outside yeah. of that... Maybe not like it, so smart. <laughs> I feel like yeah, if smart. he did a fart joke on stage at a stand-up show, I don't know if I could get over it. Yeah, that's... That's a mating call gone wrong. But um, it happens. strokes, you it know? It happens. It happens. Katie, look, clearly we have so many things we want to talk to you about, but I know you had a story to tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's my setup. Was that good? Yeah, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Does she need to come to your class to work on transitions? <laughs> Segway. 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 So, Katie, <laughs> speaking of... One thing I one thing I'm very well aware of, like I've, I've been doing comedy for a really long time. I've been I've had some like amazing opportunities. I'm really grateful. I've been got I've gotten some really cool things, but I'm I'm always very quick to acknowledge the fact that I I was successful. I felt good the first few times I did it, and that if I had bombed the first or second or third time that I did comedy, this is a good chance I wouldn't be doing it today. A lot of people like to do stuff they're good at. I'm one of those people. So I started doing comedy. I didn't expect to become a performer. I didn't. I don't like being the center of attention. I like to be pretty inconspicuous in public. What year did you start? 2011. Okay. Yeah. And I moved here and I didn't know anybody who lived in Portland. I'd never been here before. And I got some random job out here after after college. Um, and I didn't know anybody. And I had this like corporate job that never gave me any homework. I like left at the end of the day and I lived alone. And I was like, I'm going to do some brain exercise meet some people i don't know have some fun so i signed up for an improv and a stand-up class at the brody theater mm-hmm. r.i.p and 
at the end of the stand-up class, um, toward the end I did an open mic and that went really well. And then we did the stand-up showcase and they had me go last and that went really well. And I was like, okay. And so I started, I kept doing it after that. It just meant going out to open mics and doing that. And improv, I kept taking the next class and then like, you have to like get invited to like the final level and I got invited and then like I started getting invited to play in the ensemble at the theater and then I was there all the time. So I did really well at those and it was really, really fun, but I didn't plan on becoming a performer at all. And like I said, I really realized that a lot of it was because I was successful in the beginning and I did really well. And people seem to recognize what I, what I felt I could bring to the table. Um, and a lot of times people would be like, when I started stand up, they're like, you, you started very strong. The, like you really seem to like, know already what you think what you think you want to do and you seem to already have your voice and I was like interesting and it's because when I was 14 years old this is like what 2002 or something like that I saw it was like 17magazine.com or like some magazine that's been around a long time that had like a website early on and one of them did this feature on young women on the internet and one of them was this blog, and it was called LittleFrenchGirl.org. Sorry, that title could use some workshopping. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> Young woman on the internet kills, like, oh, not a thing that we should. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> it was, like, influencers before influencers, right? Right, right? And this was, like, early, early, right? This is, like, pre-YouTube, you know? Like, this is pre, like, Facebook, pre-MySpace, right? All the stuff. Whoa, Friendster era. Friendster. Yeah. I do yeah. keep coming back to somebody Googling young women on the internet. <laughs> and be like, this is not what I was after, but okay. Something like that. And there was this young woman. She was a teenager. She's maybe like a junior senior in high school named Sophie Tussler. And she had littlefrenchgirl.org. Oh, Sophie. Yeah. And she wrote and she just seemed like the coolest, like, older cousin you could have you know what i mean she was in a really cool band i never heard i, I started listening to so much music because of her um she like knew about all these really cool web comics that like i like that like i learned about from her and all this kind of stuff she's really cool and she had a blog and i started a blog um when i was 14 on blogger oh, i had a blogger blog yeah cog oh, wow my gosh and i wrote in that thing constantly all the time and it did kind of start off kind of diary journal-y but in the end, it was absolutely 100% just like random stuff. I thought was funny. Like, again, I would like make fun of a commercial I, you know, saw on TV or I would poke fun of a new social norm, you know, or like describe an interaction I had with people. And I remember like my, the blog kind of fell off a little bit when I was in college just because I didn't have as much time for it. And I remember like moving here and like was blogging more because I had more time. And then like I started doing comedy and then it was just like all of that material ended up going in a stand up. That's amazing. Oh, wow. So you yeah. basically had like 10 years of comedy journals. Yeah. And oh shit! That's yeah, so great. And if you look back, there are like obviously there's some like garbage in there, but they're like the random ass gems that like I wrote when I was like 16. Like oh geez, like man, that was that's pretty funny. You were funny, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, and worked on it. it. Yeah. Did did you develop a following as a blogger at the time? Like, did you have an audience? No, like I had a number of friends who read it, um, and they would comment on it, but not nobody like that. I wasn't like close to. I would get like random. People visit it. Blogger didn't have comments for like a for like a long time. Oh, and oh, what a dream! Yeah, <laughs> an Imagine. internet with no comments. Yeah. I love it. And nobody else was like doing. There wasn't like a network of like people that would like promote me on there. Like I was yeah. the only one of my friends doing it. I was also making like like GeoCities websites all the time. Oh wow! <laughs> I love a GeoCity website was, with rainbows and all of it. I was very online as a, as a kid. Mm -hmm. said, so you were a fourteen year old. You start this blog, and it's kind of laid the foundation for your comedy career. Yeah, and it really taught me because I remember even like obviously when I was blogging and before I started comedy, I was like very insistent on writing exactly how I speak. So I was like really like a stickler for like I-N apostrophe, you know, yeah. and like gonna and wanna. 
Do you remember any of the gems from there that you could share one with us? I, I've shared a few over the years. There's different shows that like have people read their diaries and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's kind of what I share. There's this one. I remember, okay, so in, in college, I was very narrow focused with my majors because I was a triple major. And so I was like, I got to get this done in four years and I can't really stray outside of it. So I didn't get to take like any like creative writing courses like throughout. And then in, like my, my last semester of senior year, I had like some space. I had finished up like my major requirements. I'm like, I'm going to take like a, a writing workshop. It was poetry and short story. And you had to submit a writing sample. And I hadn't taken like a single English class. I, I majored in Spanish, French, and Portuguese. So I did a ton of like literature and writing and all that kind of stuff. But none of it was creative writing in English. Right. Um, I don't know much about majors, but a triple major in three languages sounds like really intense. Yeah, that's, I've never heard of this is before, You would like a ever. genius. And, I, and I've taught college quite a bit, and I've never heard of this before. I, I do what I like. I liked romance languages, and I did yeah. that. I went all in on it. And you must oh, be yeah. so romantic. I Look am. at the way you must be able to woo people. I'm very charming. Yeah. Multilingually. Mm-hmm. You can say, abrigado. <laughs> Like that, Thank Abigado, you. I got, fashion I got term. COVID in Portugal, so you know I picked up a couple of things. Abrigado. Oh, so I, find, I, I, I'm like, I got to submit a writing sample, and I knew all these kids because we were kids, right? I had taken all these courses, and I was like, I just all I have is my blog. So I like, I picked a bunch of like random posts from my blog from when I was in high school, and one of them was me describing the best way to apply peanut butter to a bagel. Um, and it was like full of like all these like comments and like, you got it. I don't know if I could access it right now. Oh, I could. important stuff though. I think I could access it. You can do it. We can edit this bit out or we can just leave it in real time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's, it might. is rummaging in her bag right now. If it's where I think it is, it should be easy to access. But if it's not, then it might be a lost cause. I love this because, so. In Ireland, there was a big blogging community, you'd be unsurprised to hear. And we all, they had these blogger awards every year and we'd all gather in this like hotel room or whatever. And I had this one blogger that was so, so funny. Every single post was so funny. I was so, also a little bit like you were saying, super cool, but not in a kind of overt name dropping bands way, but just in a like everything she wrote was funny and like her blog was also somehow beautiful at the same time in ways that I was like, how did she do that? So when we got to the event, I saw her in person and I had like kind of a starstruck moment and I kind of was like, I was going to go over and tell her that I really like her work. And so I ran over to her and was like, probably loads of people are coming up to you tonight. And I'm like, super, super apologized to be one of them. But I just really like your work. And like, if you want me to buy a drink, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, are you kidding? Nobody has come up to me at all. Like you had this, you forget how many blogs there were in the world and how hard it is to find one that like sings on your, you know, wavelength. Right, right. And anyway, the short story is she ended up being one of my best friends and we lived together and she designed my wedding invitation. I think she's coming on our podcast. So that was a little, I just bought you some time, Katie. I don't think I have it. Oh, I thought it was going to be in my drive. Do you think then when you went into stand-up, in some ways you were, you had already been doing it. You'd already been writing for some, like maybe when people say you have this, you know, you didn't say wonderkin, but maybe I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, because that word is just such a word. Um, but like when you, you were a boy genius, you were a boy genius. <laughs> I was a Doogie Howser. A do- <laughs> oh God. Yes, exactly. All of those things. But you had, a, uh, out of the gate, 
some successes. But maybe, again, it's because you had been actually workshopping shit for 10 years yeah. or whatever it was. Absolutely. And if everybody had that, and I, here's what I love about that, because I really think about this. I don't have kids. Fiona has kids. Other people, we like, other people have kids. Other people have kids in my life. <laughs> Not just I've me. I've got children. But I'm just saying, I don't have kids, but as as people I know who have kids are starting to age into being little people, not just children. I think about this a lot of like, you're forming your life path right now. You're starting to get to becoming who you are and encouraging those things in some ways. A, a guest we had last week, Zach Dundas, who's our old editor, talks about his book he wrote on Sherlock and how he became a reporter because of growing up as like 11 years old and being obsessed with Sherlock Holmes and reading those books and everything about him. And then he goes off and, like, it impacts your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, I don't know, I love that part. It's Me interesting, too, because we're just not told what paths there are. Like, you know, he had, like, some kind of, like, idea of what, like, you know, like, a writer does. Like, I didn't, comedian was not a job option for me. No, that was nobody not on the was list. here like, okay, let's talk. I know, I think, think a lot about the career guidance teacher that we had, and, like, the list was three things, I think. Yeah, well, it was, like, teacher. Doctor, lawyer. Oh, see, I always think teacher, doctor, lawyer. I felt like those were the things that, that were was on it. it. Yeah. And I've made most of my career as a fashion editor, not even words I knew went together. They were not on the list. They, it was not those on the list. not on the list. No. I do remember in that big book in high school, they give you of the options for job that there was the one that entertained us all. It was a chicken sexer where your job oh, was they make to separate. I saw that. They make real good money. I saw that in that film. What's the film where they do chicken sexing? I don't, uh, know. I don't know. What are you watching? Co-worker was telling me about this. No, it's a really good movie. Evidently, it's a little bit which... difficult to tell the tell the difference between the sexes of the chicks. Some people are really good. So at they make they bank, just don't they? Like that. Don't they make bank? They I flip that chicken. Anyways, I didn't want to go into it. <laughs> Turned out it wasn't the career for me, no. and so now everyone has to hear me here. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm. Well, you know, there's always there's still time for chicken sexing. Is all I'm saying. What if, what if I got into that when I like retired from journalism? What if it's like I all like 22 year olds? You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're well, like, grandma coming over here trying to take our turf. But I think they could work together. We could be chicken sexing, sexing right now and nobody would even know. We could just be chicken sexing and podcasting. I, I can't keep make, saying chicken sexing. I bet that makes noise. I bet, <laughs> I bet there's um, some noise involved. Okay, here's some. a very annoying thing. I like to preface everything I say with that. Oh. Um, no. Um, do you like... Will you tell us a joke? <laughs> oh, that is, is that too much? That's yeah, hard. That's okay. like that's like the oh, you're a singer. Can you sing something? Why? Yes, I'm glad you're. Asking. <laughs> she no, was actually, waiting for don't that. Make sing. I could, even, oh, don't make me sing. Oh, don't make me sing. It's so good. You uh, no, sound just enough. like I her. I put that out. I just wanted to know if that was a thing. Conditions aren't conducive. You know, it's it's a very. It's hard to go from chicken sexing to, I think that. I already it. told you my nose foot joke. How much do you want? I don't think it could be as funny well, as that. Do you have a party joke? Oh, we can I do tell party you some jokes. of my favorite jokes. We'll do party which, jokes. Uh, uh, there's my favorite joke of all time, in part because I can remember it, is one of the, of the, man walks into a bar, ilk. Yeah. Actually, it's a woman this time. A woman walks into a bar and she asks the barman for a double entendre. So he gave her one. <laughs> that's good uh my I remembered it my favorite party joke is what does one saggy boob say to the other saggy boob <laughs> don't. but don't look at me when you say saggy <laughs> boob like that we gotta Chicken get sexer we gotta get some support around here people are gonna think we're nuts 
<laughs> oh, that's good because it has the second beat that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's courtesy of my friend Bethany who gives me most of my jokes. Uh, so a man walks into a bar and he says to the bartender, hey, do you know where the glass pants store is? The bartender's like, uh, he just makes something up. He's like, around the corner that way. The guy walks out. He leaves. He comes back in. Dude's wearing glass pants, right? And you can see everything. And the bartender like looks at him up and down and goes, Ma'am, before I thought you were crazy, but now I can clearly see your nuts. Two nuts That's, jokes. You know what? You brought our jokes together. Double nuts. As Double man nuts. Into a bar and the nuts. They all came together. Oh, that That's, synthesis. You this know? is the That's perfect the... trifecta of jokes, right? It doesn't get any better than this. I'm sure everybody's wetting their pants laughing right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess this is where we wrap up. We might have to wrap up. I don't know. I mean, is there anything? We can't beat that. Glass pants. <laughs> Drop the mic. Where do, do we have anything coming up? Is there anything we should be talking about? I mean, first of all, people could take your class. Yes, at yeah. Helium. Sign up for my class at Helium. I want I want to help you do stand-up comedy. That's huge. Actually, that's my main thing. Well, we're already so good. When <laughs> is it? Think. Does it operate in like, a, there's a few sessions? Is it an ongoing drop-in thing? Uh, it's Sundays. At, it's, it's, a, it's a, We're in a session right now. We're about to end. So we're going to start another session up um, in November, I think. Um, and it's once a week, Sunday afternoons, one to four. Okay. Okay. There's Love that. Yeah, Your seven, own type of church. Seven yeah. weeks. And then we get a show at the end, the graduation show. And it's really fun because you Whoa, invite all your friends and family. Yay. It's a great crowd. It's at Helium. You're at like an actual legit club. It's really fun. I love Helium. I've seen some really fun shows there. Thank you again to Katie Wynn for joining us. Her website is katie-wynn.com. Mm-hmm. That's it from We Can't Print This for today. We will link to that from our website. See more info about this episode, including links to things we talked about and sign up for our very fun newsletter with pop culture pics. Um, and we are on Instagram at We Can't Print This. Yes, and thank you to our producer, Miranda Schaefer, and to Dave Depper for our intro music. This podcast was recorded at the Writer's Block in Portland. And a very big special thanks to our third office mate, Rachel Ritchie, for splitting our lemongrass chicken order on the regular. I need you to share it with me, Rachel. Yeah, you can share that. If you are a writer with a great behind-the-story story, write to us at wecanprintthis.com. Oh, I guess that's wecanprintthis at Gmail. I know how emails work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, why don't you write to us at .com? It's fine. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you over there. You know how emails work, too. Yay, thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>